0: how many people we need to staff uh, this room and, and the kids' ministry area with to, to love on your kids. All right, so, so that, that'll be a lot of fun. So here's what we're doing in this series called Uncommon. We are, we are, are, are playing with the idea, we're talking about the idea that, that relationships, good relationships are possible. You gotta know that. Good relationships are possible, but they're not probable. In this day and age, the chances of having a good relationship are really, really low because most of us go about our relationships trying to do things the world's way. And so what I'm gonna do throughout this series is offer you some contrasting thoughts. I'm gonna show you what the world's way looks like and how they go about a relationship, and then I'm gonna show you God's way and the way he goes about relationships. And, and our theme verse for this whole series is Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior And customs of this world. In other words, there's a way that they behave. And customs means this is customary for them. It's customary for this age group. It's customary for this generation. It's it's just customary. Everybody does it this way. Everybody around you has done it this way. Your parents did it this way. Your friends are doing it this way. But don't copy the customs and their behaviors of this world. Why? Well, because the world paints this beautiful picture of how we do things But the problem is the world is getting it all wrong. And if you want to have the results that the world is getting, then by all means, do things the way the world does it. But God has a better way, amen? Amen. He has a better way. And what they're doing, what the world is doing, isn't working. And yet we buy into it. And I understand. We're all subject to the influences that are all around us. In our movies and the TVs, TV shows that we listen to and, or watch, and, and the music that we listen to, and, and all the things that we participate in, all the stuff that is around us, our culture is inundating us with the ways of the world. So it's easy to be influenced and slip into doing things their way. Like, for instance, do you know that, that Hollywood has this image of sexuality and how it should play out? that on TV alone, on TV alone, 91% of the sexual relationships, that, that people get into, 91% of the sex being had on TV alone is outside of marriage. Now, now, that doesn't work. That doesn't work just for righteousness' sake. It's not just because of that. It doesn't work for you. It, it just doesn't work for you. God's ways are better. So, so we can't do things their ways because it doesn't work. And the verse continues on and says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And we used this verse as a reference a lot in our last series and said that your life is never going to change until you change the way that you think. So we've got to change our thinking about our relationships. And that's, that's really what I'm going to do is challenge your thinking throughout this entire series. And the verse continues on and says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you. So, so if you'll challenge your thinking, if you'll be willing to say, well, this is the way I've always done it, but I'm going I'm to shift for a little bit. I'm going to press pause. I'm going to think about my ways if you allow that to happen, then you'll know what? You'll know God's will for you. And God's will for you is better. Because here's what it looks like. It says, God's will for you, which is good. We're on board for that. We like that, right? Everybody want good relationships? Do you want relationships that are pleasing? Pleasing to whom? They're pleasing to God? Yes. And perfect. That's where we pump the brakes, right? Perfect. I don't know if I can live up to that standard. Perfect. I don't think... I can do that, I think it, that's actually beyond my reach. And if that's you, if you believe that, you're right. It is beyond your reach, but it is not beyond God's reach. And I would say that as long as we continue to do things God's way, that level of, of, of our relationships that we could obtain, as long as we continue to do it world's way, will be beyond our reach. For example, the way that we go about our dating relationships, right? The, the way that we do it, the world's way says, number one, we find the right person. That's what we do. We go out in our dating relationship, we're looking for the one. This one could be my soulmate. Or you could have a, a Jerry Maguire, you know, that movie Jerry Maguire, that you complete me, like you're just, you're just the part that I've been missing. You're the, you're the yin to my yang, you're, the, you're, you're my soulmate. And we're looking for that right person, the one person who will make everything right and make everything beautiful. And we'll never have any troubles and we'll never have any problems because they're the one. You're laughing because you know that it's not possible. And yet, this is what we're looking for. we find the right person. The second thing we do is fall in love. Now, we call it fall in love as if love were a ditch that we carelessly fell into. Because we don't want to really claim responsibility to, well, I can't help it. I love who I love, you know, and and the heart wants what the heart wants. and, and, And we claim no responsibility for our feelings so that later on when we fall out of love with that person, it's not really our fault too. Oh, am I messing in your world a little bit? I apologize for that. And then we fall in love with someone else who isn't the person we ought to be in love with and, well, I just can't help it. I fell in love. Then what do we do? We fix all our hopes and our dreams on them. We find that person. We fall in love. And then we, we place all our hopes on them. They're the ones that are going to make us happy. They're the ones that are going to make our dreams come true. Someday my prince will come. It's all Disney and princesses. Hollywood is, has fed us a lie that this person, that our joy and our happiness and our future is tied to that person. <laughs> and then if failure occurs, if something breaks in the relationship, well, we discard it and we repeat steps one, two, and three, and not really in a Brian McKnight kind of way. <laughs> this is how the world does it. So good. Some of you are like, is it okay to laugh? I'm going to give you permission. It's all right to laugh in church, all right? It's okay to enjoy yourselves, really. It is, I promise. But, but this is how the world does it. Listen to me, you singles that, that, are, that are trying to be in a dating relationship. Listen to me, teenagers that are in this room. Don't, don't go about this the world's way. The world's way doesn't work. And if you go about it the world's way, you'll continue to get the world's results. Because, see, this process... Of falling in love, or finding the right person, falling in love, putting all your hopes and dreams on them, and then when things don't work out, discarding them. Do you know what this is called? Divorce. This is what divorce is. And I'm gonna tell you that if you spend your dating cycle practicing divorce, that when you get married, do you know what you'll do? You'll be more prone to divorce. Because what you practice in private is what you do in public, right? And what you practice in your dating relationship is what happens in your marriage relationships. It's what happens. 50% of all marriages inside and outside the church, more than 50%, end in divorce. It's because the world's way doesn't work. It sets you up For failure. Instead, we need to do things God's way. God's way looks a little different. It says become the right person. Not look for the right person. Become the right person. Become the right person that would be a good husband or a good spouse. Become the right person that would be a good friend, a good father. Become. Grow. Let God work on you and become the right person. Don't find the right person. Become it. Second thing, walk in love. See, instead of falling in love, you realize that love is an action and love is a choice. And you choose to live that out every day, even when you're not feeling it. Because love is not a feeling. It's a choice. So you choose to walk in love. It's an, love is an act of your will, not of your feelings. That's so good. You guys should be taking notes, writing it down. This is so good. Just to, I'm just letting you know. Number three, fix all your hopes and dreams on God. You know why? Because he can handle them. Because he can help you with them. Because he's trust, trustworthy. He's faithful. He's able we, we need to fix all of our hopes and dreams on him. Let him transform us. Let him empower us. Let him lead us. And number four, if failure occurs along the way, repeat steps one, two, three. Go back to the beginning. Let God begin to make you and, and transform you. The difference is, is in world in the world's way and God's way. It, it is very, very different. And today what I'm going to do, and throughout this series, we're going to talk about relationships that are Uncommon. And today I'm going to talk specifically about uncommon commitment because I think that if any relationship is to succeed, that we need to return to commitment in those relationships. And I mean the kind that God has for us, not the kind of commitments that we tend to make towards each other, the kind of commitment that says, well, well, I'm in this as long as you don't fill in the blank, Right? As long as this doesn't happen, as long as you continue to, as long as we, you've got money, as long as your body still looks like, as long as X, Y, and Z still happen, I'm in. Well, that, that's not a commitment, folks. That's more of a contract. That, that, that's, that's a contract. And most marriages today and relationships today fail because of a lack of a commitment. I think it's inevitable for every single one of you here, as godly as you are, that you're going to have a bad day. You're like, my God, pastor, be more positive. I am positive. Positive, you're going to have a bad day. (laughs) It's going to happen. And in the face of that bad day, the relationship that you're in that is experiencing that bad day, are you going to discard it or are you going to remain committed to it? I, I think it's sad watching over and over again as people find some turbulence in a relationship and they just discard it instead of staying committed to it. We live our lives more like a contract. I, I was in banking for years. I was a banker and sold investments. I did loans and, and things like that. And, and you know what we did before anybody could sign up for any of our services and products? We gave them a contract. And do you know what a contract does? It's not about really committing to one of each other. It's about protecting yourself. The bank's contracts the people had to sign, and if you've ever bought a home, you know. There's page after page after page of what the bank is doing. Protecting its own interests. It's not about protecting you. It doesn't advance or strengthen the relationship. What it does is it outlines ways that if you violate the relationship, you lose. And you bear the burden of violating that relationship, right? But that's not how God does things. God does things as a covenant. That's a lifelong, eternal commitment that he makes to us. And we find that all throughout the Bible. And by the way, that's what marriage is supposed to be is a covenant, not a contract. And unfortunately, most of our marriages today are reduced down and whittled down to a contract that we've signed between us and the state. But God has committed to us. And here's here's something that God's done. In his commitment to us, he uses a word that many of us don't like in our level of commitment. Are you ready for the word? might upset you. Because, Because this is how he loves us and this is his commitment level to us. Hebrews 13, 4 says, never, never will I leave you. See, we don't like that word. We don't want to say that, well, the grounds on which that I would leave you is never. No, we don't want to say that. He's, but God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. But that's the kind of commitment that God is, has given to us, and he's asking us to give to each other. Because truly, I think you'll never understand the power of a relationship until you get that committed to it. You'll never experience the full benefits of that relationship until you commit in a way that you say, never, never will I walk away from it. You gotta throw out all options and embrace the attitude of never. And I get that this is tough because we've been trained by society that we need to protect ourselves instead of uniting ourselves in a never kind of way to each other. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk a little more about this uncommon commitment and there's a strong verse in Malachi that I think is pretty tough and it speaks specifically to marriages but you'll see the kind of commitment that God expects from us. And I, and I think if you look at it, while it's tough, it's very life-giving. Check it out. It says, you flood the Lord's altar with your tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. In other words, you're crying out to God saying, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you responding to me? What, what's going on? Why do I feel distant from you? And he says, you ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness. In other words, he's watching He's not only watching, but he was the person that was there on the day that you made a commitment specifically about marriage to your spouse. It says he was the witness between you and the wife of your youth, and you have been unfaithful to her, though she's your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the God, the one God, made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. In other words, God's saying, hey, listen, this isn't just about you, this is also about your kids. This this lack of commitment that you have to your spouse is not only affecting you and your spouse, but it's also affecting your kids. He says, so be on your guard, and don't be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, in other words, taps out, gives up, walks away, says the Lord God of Israel does violence to the one they should protect. So in the moment that you ought to stay committed, that you ought to dig in, that you ought to work through the issues... Instead, you end it and discard it. And instead of protecting that relationship, you, 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 you bring violence to it. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. You know, here's the thing about commitment you don't really need it until there's a day that comes that you don't want to be committed. And until you hit a rough patch, you don't need commitment because when everything's good, you want to be in it. Commitment is needed for when it's not easy when there's pain and you don't feel like it. Now listen, I'm not telling you to stay in an abusive relationship where you're being physically abused. And I'm not talking about that. We need to deal with that appropriately. But what I am saying to you is that we need to be willing to be unhappy for a while while we work it out. And that's not easy to do, I get that. But here's the definition of commitment. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do Long after the mood you set it in left you. <laughs> That's what commitment is. See, I say it that way because, you know what, I, I do a lot of marriages and weddings, you know. And in my premarital counseling sessions, one of the things that I'll talk to them about is, is uncovering that, that area of what, what is cause for divorce. Because, you know, if you go over the vows, the vows say... In sickness and health and better or worse till death do us part, right? And that's the vow. That's the promise you make to each other that I'm going to be with you until death do us part. But really, there's like these secret underlying things that we all hold dear and go, well, actually, if you did this, then I would I'm I'm deuces and duck lips because I'm out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bye. So I started asking in the premarital sessions, what is it? And and you'd be amazed at the things you uncover. There's very common things that you expect, but you'd be amazed at the reasons you uncover. I I started to think that maybe those things that we uncover, we should just put right there in the vows. What do you think, guys? Like right in the wedding vows, right? Like through sickness and health, unless you cheat on me and you know do X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, to make them say that in front of everybody because that's their vow. Uh, That's a little crazy, huh? A little little excessive. All right, cool. I won't do that then. Thanks for the advice. Appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) the the, the reason I think that way though is because there's power to being committed there's power to being committed to one another because it'll make your relationship stronger and so here's my goal today I want you to I want I want to get you to rethink and reconsider your commitments and every in every relationship that you're in and then and then for those of the ones that you're already in I want I want to I want to challenge you to reaffirm them Reaffirm those relationships that you're already in. Let them know how committed you are to them. And some of you, you you need to find those relationships that that you need to remake those commitments in. Whether whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's a friendship, or or, or in every important relationship with your kids, or tell them and let them know, you you can count on me. And, And mean it. and Go all in. Be committed to them. Now, many of you guys know me, you know, you know that uh, one of my personal hobbies is I, I like doing sleight-of-hand card magic and things like that and have, well, for better part of 24 years, and, uh, and as, as I grew as an entertainer, I started adding more and more things to my repertoire of ways that I could entertain. I learned balloon animals, and, and, and I've, I've, I've learned a lot of stuff. And one of the tools that I thought I'd put in my belt that would kind of make me more marketable as an entertainer in my younger years was was juggling. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I, met a, I met a juggler who saw some of my magic and said, well, I'd like to learn that. So if you teach me that, I'll teach you how to juggle. And this all happened at Magic Camp. Can't even make that up. It's a true story. <laughs> and that's my life you're laughing at. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so... So he teaches me the basics of juggling, right? I mean, if you look at these hands, you know I've got it down. Like, look at this. Isn't this amazing? <laughs> and, and I learned a couple tricks, and then I bought some more equipment. I bought some more some videos and some teaching material, and I got those clubs. You seen those clubs, man, that you throw, right? I got hit in the head one of the very first times that I threw that, and I was all done with that. <laughs> I quickly learned that I actually lacked the commitment it would take to be a juggler, the, the balance and the skill. I'm clumsy. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Last year, I fell off the stage, y'all. I'm just saying. And, and, and it just takes a certain level of, uh, in addition to commitment to the craft, it takes a, a level of grace and finesse that I just do not have. But some friends of mine are here today, and they do have it, and I've asked them to come and juggle a little bit and show you guys the commitment it takes to juggle. Please welcome Tim and Amy Tool to the stage.
1: Can you hear me? Oh, there I am. <clears throat> so I'm actually nervous. We, we, uh, we are, uh, we used to be, we used to be semi-professional jugglers. That is a thing too. Um, but, but today we're going to do a little bit of a routine and we've actually, we need some help. We got a volunteer previously. So he's sort of a plant. Sean Montgomery, would you care to come upstairs? He doesn't know what we're doing to him though. <laughs> Sean was standing at the door, I said, hey, Sean, we're doing something during service. Can you help me? He was like, yeah, sure, what, what, what is it? We'll see you. We'll tell you later. <laughs> 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 All right, give it up for Sean. Give it up for Sean. All right, Sean, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pass clubs around. Have you seen us do this before? No. No? Great. Great. <laughs> well, just so you know, we haven't done it in years. 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 <laughs> So what's going to happen, Sean, is you're going to see a club flashing before your face like this. Pew, 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 pew. pew. (laughs) But whatever you do, Sean, don't step back. Because there's going to be more behind you. Just Just as as close. close. Pew, 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 (laughs) pew, pew, pew. pew. (laughs) Are you you scared? (laughs) She wasn't talking to you, Sean. No, I am not scared with good reason neither tim nor i have ever been hurt performing this trick yeah. <laughs> all right okay are you ready no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Come on, give it up for Tim and Amy and Sean. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, laughing, joking, juggling, what kind of church is this? The best kind. <laughs> so so I, I show you that because while Tim and Amy make that look really, really easy, I, I know the commitment level it takes to make that work, uh, not, not just on a, on a personal level, like a commitment to learning the tricks and learning how to do that with the, with the, the, uh, the clubs, but, but also learning how to do that with each other. And I talked to Tim. I said, tell me about your commitment level. What do, you, what do you have to do in going into this? He said, well, he said, the biggest commitment level I have is to Amy. He said, yeah, because Amy likes to practice a lot and have it down, and I like to get on the stage and wing it. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Tim at all. <laughs> But but he likes to he, he says I, she likes that I practice a lot and that I can I can look at her and say that I'm prepared so so the commitment I make is to do that is to is to be ready and then there's all kinds of commitment like what happens if stuff goes wrong in the show like you know and it, it takes a commitment level to continue to do that and be 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 moving move forward and move past the mistakes and move past past stuff that goes wrong onto the next show like like they're in. And I love their commitment level, and, and, and I really just, just feel like it speaks to the kind of commitment level that we need to have through our relationships. We need to be that committed to, to move our lives around, to do things we're not necessarily ready to do, to be uncomfortable so, so that we can love the person well, be committed. And, and I know there's some pushback in this room, even after all the fun. I know there's some pushback. You're already thinking about re- your, your situation. You're like, Aaron, you don't, you don't know my situation, In my relationships, it can't be done. I can't do it. And you're right. You're right. You can't. But check out this verse. It's Philippians 4.13. Many of you know this verse, and it starts off, it says, I can. You say, I can't, but, but the truth is, you can. You can what? Do all things. You can do all things. When you look at this verse, if you were to just stop right there This is where most of us hang out. We go, I can do all things. I can white knuckle it. I can push on through. I can do all things. My own strength, my own power. I just need to learn how to do it. And that's not the truth. There's a continuation to this verse that actually adds the power and the ability to do what it previously says. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My difficult marriage... I can do that. Difficult kids, difficult relationship situations. I can do this, but only through Christ. See, see, so we can't miss that part. So here's the, here's the model that even, even Christians today miss. See, God's aware that we can't. So God says, "I'm going to model it for you. I'm going to be committed to you first. And because I know that you can't do this on your own, I'm gonna go ahead and fix that, and I'm gonna pave the way by sending my son Jesus to this earth. He's gonna pay the, the penalty and the price on the cross for you so that I can give you my Holy Spirit, which will empower you to do what I do. So that through Christ, the thing that you can't do, you can. And, and that's what we miss, and we cannot miss that. This isn't, Christianity isn't just about learning a list of things to do. It's not about behavior modification. It's about allowing God, allowing yourself to experiencing all who God is and allowing that to transform you and change you and empower you to live your life differently, to do things that you never dreamed that you could do. That's what it's all about. That's Christianity, It's God doing something on the inside of us to transform us. So you can't try harder. (laughs) If you think that's all I'm telling you, you can't do it. You can't take enough notes. You can't attend enough services. That's not what it's about. What you need is Christ's strength to help you do it. And so as I close out this message today, I want to give you a few things. I want to give you five commitments that I believe God makes to you. And and as you listen to them, I'm not necessarily asking you to do them because I think if if you were to identify and look at them, you probably would know that you can't do them, that that on your own, you absolutely cannot do them. What I'm asking you to do today is to realize them, to to embrace them, to, to experience them because I believe that as you experience who God is and what he's done for you, I believe that you'll fall more in love with God. I believe that, that, that what God has done for you will, will come on the inside of you and transform who you are so that you now can do exactly what God does. Because see, I don't think God had ever intended you to do a list of to-dos. I don't think he ever intended you to do all the things that it says in the Bible to do on your own. I think his purpose has always been to do it for you first and then to come inside of you and transform you so that you can do it for others so that you can make a difference in other people's lives. I really believe that. If you'll know God and experience him, you'll become more like him. And I think that's, that's what God wants for you, and I know that's, that's what I want for you, too. So here's the list, the, the first of the, of the five commitments that God made to you. First, he says, I commit to prioritize you. This is the first place in our relationships that we usually mess things up. No matter what relationship it is, we let things get in the way. We let other priorities, we let our job, we let other relationships, we let hobbies, we let work, we we, we let money, we, we let all kinds of things, even kids, get in the way of our priority relationships, of the important ones. It's easy to let it happen. This past fall, I entered into a very busy season where I, was, I traveled to, to Texas to work with some church planners, and then I went to Honduras, and, and, and then there was, there was a conference that, that somebody wanted me to go to, and, and people were de- placing a demand on the gifts that God has put in my life, and it was just a, a very busy season of my life that when I was done, I sat down with my wife and I said, I don't want to do that again, because I realized that I prioritized some other things more than, than my family. It's easy to let it happen. It's easy to let things that seem good replace what's most important in your life. But God isn't that way. He, he prioritizes us. In fact, in 1 John three sixteen, it says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now, you think of that, that verse and that line, and you're like, oh, okay, so, so Jesus died for us. Yes, he did do that. But understand it means even more than that, that he literally laid down his life, his rights and his privileges, His wants, his own desires, his preferences. See, Jesus didn't want to die on the cross. Do you know how I know that? Because he asked God in the garden to let it pass. Just before he was taken into captivity and crucified, he's like, hey, God, Father, if there's another way to do this, let's do that. This was not part of his desires to suffer all that he suffered. And yet he laid down his own desires to prioritize us. He, in the end, said, let let your will be done, not mine. So he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now I need you to get this little phrase because after each one of these I'm going to ask you to to internalize it and understand it. Is that he did so I can. He, He did so I can. Everybody say that with me. He did so I can. He prioritized us first so that we can prioritize others. Because remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Here's the second commitment that he made to you. He, made, he said, I commit to pursue you. Now, in ra- relationships, this is so important. Many of you married folk, before you got married, you were in a dating relationship. And you pursued the fire out of each other, didn't you? You were dating. You would text each other. You would call each other. You'd fall asleep on the phone. You, know, you, 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 you left little notes and sent cards and got flowers. Like, I mean, you were in hot pursuit And then you caught each other and got married and all that stopped. And you're like, well, the fire's gone out. You know what? Pursue them again. Get in hot pursuit, guys. Take your ladies out on a date this weekend. And all the ladies said, yeah. Just trying to help you. Pursue one another. In your friendships, pursue one another. This happens so often in my life. Tell me if it happens in yours But I'll be face to face with my friends and we're having such a good time. They're like, dude, we should do this again sometime. Let's hang out. And you're like, yeah, I really love that. And then you just walk away. And you know what happens? Sometime never comes. Because you didn't prioritize it. Because you didn't, you didn't pursue each other. So now when a friend says to me, Hey, let's get together, do you know what my response is? When and where. No, seriously, tell me when and where. I need to put it on my calendar because that's how I'm gonna prioritize you and pursue you is, is to put you in my calendar. This is how I get to remain in relationship with you because if I don't, it'll never happen. I need some intentional pursuit here of a friendship. Don't let it just be a we should get together sometime. Sometime is now. Pursue your friendship. Do the same thing with your kids, man. Pursue them. You know, I've I pursued my kids for years. They all like their little tablets and stuff. How many of you guys have kids and they love their tablets? Get a tablet and sit with them and play whatever game they're playing. Can I tell you how many hours I spent playing Minecraft? <laughs> right? And, and now that your kids have grown up, they're playing the grown-up version of Minecraft called Fortnite. Play with your kids. Sp-sp- find out what they're interested in and, and go be a part of that with them. If they keep sequestering themselves in another room, go get in their business and sit down with them. What you doing? Who are you talking to? That This is not just being a nosy parent. This is pursuing your relationship with your kids. You, you can pursue them. If you wait until you feel like doing this, you may never feel like doing it. That's why pursuing, making a commitment to pursue, should come from a choice that you make. because choices lead, and your feelings will follow. Pursue your relationships. Now some of you need to understand that God's in pursuit of you. That ever since you walked into this building, maybe even the second you hit the parking lot and somebody greeted you and, and loved you and told you where to park, and or maybe when you hit the door and somebody opened it up for you, maybe when you drank that first sip of hot coffee. I'm not sure. Use them, Lord. God's been in pursuit of you since you've been here today. And He's knocking on the door of your heart, He's drawing you in, and maybe you, you're resisting it a little bit. Like, I'm not sure. But God's knocking at the door, steadily knocking, ready to have you open the door. In fact, in Revelation 3, this is the last book of the Bible. This is the last last thing that God says to us in this last book. He says, look, I stand at the door and knock. And this is a picture of who Jesus is. He's standing at the door and knocking. He says, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in. And he doesn't say, I'm going to rake you over the coals for what you did last weekend. He doesn't say, I'm going to yell at you and I've got a lightning bolt that I want to hit you with. He knows what you did last night, and he doesn't care. What it says is, I'll come in, and we'll share a meal together as friends. If you just open the door, that's all he wants to do is be in relationship with you, and he is in pursuit of you. He's gently knocking. And honestly, God could kick down the door of your heart. I mean, he made it after all. But he doesn't do that. He patiently and gently waits and knocks. He's in hot pursuit of you. Wanting you to respond to his love. And you have that opportunity at the end of the message today. He did, so I can. He pursues me, so I can pursue my relationships. The third commitment he made is, I commit to possess you. This may sound kind of funny, but there's something uh, very powerful. There's something that he means by this that is really great. He's committing to this sense of belonging. That, that you belong to him, and he belongs fully to you. He considers you his very own. In fact, in 1 Peter 2, it says you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own special possession. My wife uses this verse on me all the time. I'm going to just be honest with you. I can't keep the woman off me. (laughs) Not that I want to. But there are times when I'm reading or doing a task She just likes to come up and attack me a little bit. She likes to pinch and twist things. I'll leave it at that. I'm like, woman, get off me. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. This is my body. She points to mine. This is my body. You gave it to me. We're one flesh. This is mine. And I'll do what I want to it. Now, I know that sounds weird but I think it's kind of sweet. Because I have a, I have a belonging. I, I belong to her. And I know that as a possession of hers that she's going to care for our relationship, that she's going to care for me. And man, that plays out in beautiful ways in my relationship with her. My kids are my special possession too. There's nothing my kids could do to ever make me want to stop being their dad. To to never not be in relationship with me. They will always belong to me and I will always belong to them. And there's so much security in that kind of relationship. So much freedom to be honest, to be open, to grow together, to support one another and love each other in ways that we never could have imagined had we not committed to just belong to one another. He did, so I can. The fourth one is, I commit to protect you. You know, God knows there's a day that we're going to be attacked or feel attacked. And some of those days we created ourselves by our own misbehavior, right? Things that we've done in our own lives. We created the situations we're feeling attacked in. And on those days, God knows that those are the days that we're going to need him the most. Those are the days that he's like, all right, this is my moment. I knew that they were going to need me, and I'm here. And regardless of why we are being attacked, Psalms one seven says, The Lord will protect you from all dangers. He'll guard your life. And I love this, because I'm very protective of my relationships, and I love that God is protective of me. He did so I can. I'm protective in a way that if you come to me and give me a bad report about any of my friends, my kids, my spouse, any of my team members here that serve with me, and I'll, I'll, I'll immediately push back and give, give them the benefit of a doubt. Like, you know, I'm I'm not sure. Because I think too often today that people are offered up and we get our pitchforks and our, and our torches and we want to tear people down in the, in the court of public opinion. And instead, I'm quick to get it out of the court of public opinion and I'll have a conversation with them. I don't know them to be that person. I'll protect them in that way. And I'll go to that person, I'll talk to them. And if, that's, if, there's something, if there's something that's there that needs to be dealt with, we'll deal with it. But, but I want to protect them. They're, they're too valuable to me. And I'd do the same for each and every one of you. And I'd hope you'd do the same for me. That if you hear something about me that, you, that, that, that does not jive with who you believe me to be, that, that you would say, I don't know about that. I'll go talk to him. Before you start airing your public opinion. Because man, I'm telling you what. I've seen ministries, churches absolutely destroyed because of things like this. But we don't protect one another. But we don't make room for each other's faults. But we don't find grace and forgive one another. So we need to protect each other. God does it for us. And he does it for us on our worst days. Days we might have created. He protects us and forgives us. In fact, God was forgiving us long before we were Christians. You know that? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Even before before we accepted him, even before we received his grace, Jesus wasn't laying on the cross in the moment before they swung the hammer down to pierce his hands. He didn't go, hey, 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 hang on a second. Is anybody out there gonna get saved if I do this? He died before we received his grace, before we even could. He wasn't waiting on us to accept it. And that's the commitment he made to us, to protect us. He wasn't waiting just for the good days. He's he's committed to us in our worst conditions. Because remember, you don't need commitment on the good days. You need commitment on the bad days, on the difficult days. He did, so I can. And here's the last one. He said, I commit to purify you. Listen, God's well aware that we're going to blow it. Many of you blew it this week. And you need to know that he's not mad at you. I think the best part of God's day is when he gets to give you a do-over. In fact, the Bible says that he, he delights in giving mercy. In other words, withholding from you that which you deserve. He delights in it. In fact, if you think, well, but Aaron, you don't know me. I've done so many bad things. That, I, I probably run God down out of his mercy. Fine. That's why the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. See, I don't think you can run God out of his mercy. I don't think you can deplete him of his supply. But just in case you thought he did, he was like, hey, it's all brand new in the morning. It's, it's, just, it's just new, brand new day. He's not mad at you for what you've done. He, he, he delights to do this. And he knows that, that today is possibly the day that you need him most. That he'll purify you on the day. And he delights in it. You know, and, and, and as a result of that, I, I would say when your spouse blows it, then maybe you have grace in your relationship. When your kids blow it, they don't need you yelling at them. What they need is you sitting beside them on a day that they need you more than than ever. When your friend betrays you, lies to you, steals from you, what they they don't need is for you to change your number, block them, or unfriend them on Facebook. What they need is for you to pursue reconciliation, purify them. God forgives us and he gives us a new start. He purifies us, cleanses us, puts in us a new heart and a right spirit. And I believe that if you'll turn around and do that for someone else, you'll transform someone's heart. But I know you can't do that on your own. Remember, he did it, so I can do it. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let's pray. All across this room, I've given you some new thinking. I've given you something to consider and I'm gonna ask you now to let God transform you. I'm gonna ask you right now to recognize that God has made you a priority, to recognize that he is pursuing you, that he, he thinks of you as his special possession, that he is willing to and wants to protect you and to purify you. And that if you recognize that and receive that right now, I believe that, that God will begin to do a work in your life, that he'll begin to transform you on the inside, that your heart will grow in love for him. And so, God, we ask you that as we realize that, as we recognize that, as we receive that, Lord, that you would transform us and empower us in a way that we could do that for others. In every relationship that we face, so that we can have uncommon relationships and refuse to do things the world's way help us to do this in Jesus name God I pray now for those of you that are in this room as we continue to pray there's some of you that would identify that you're, you're here today and you're far from God and, and you're far from God either because maybe maybe you grew up in church like I did and I and I had a poor experience and and, and I walked away Believing that maybe God really didn't love me as much. Or maybe maybe someone's told you that God doesn't love you, that he couldn't love you, that you're unlovable, that you're worthless. Amen. Or Maybe you're here and you've just never been in a relationship with God, but today, today you're ready. Today God's knocking on the door of your heart and you're ready to respond. And in this moment, this is your opportunity to make a commitment to him in the way that he's committed to you. And his commitment that he's asking you for is not one of perfection. He's asking of one of pursuit, that you would pursue him and know him. And that's something we can all obtain. So, in this moment, if you're ready to make that commitment, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'd love to include you in on that prayer. And if that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me today? Thank you. That's it. That's awesome. Anyone else say, Aaron, that's me. I- I'm here. I need to make a commitment today. Church, let's pray together. Say, God, I commit my life to you today. Live inside of me. Change me. Make me who you want me to be. Forgive me. And Jesus be Lord of my life. Amen.